Well, good day or evening, depending on where you are tuning in from right now, and thank you so much for joining us. I'm Peggy Tuck, and I will be your moderator for today's webinar, which will focus on how risk management will increase value from your portfolio. Over the next hour, you will learn how to decide which investments for risk mitigation and maintenance activities should come first, and also when plus how having a risk management plan can save time, energy, and best of all, money. Now, first, I would like to tell you a little bit about our featured company today. Uniper Engineering delivers solutions and technical consultancy for power generation and grids. Uniper is an experienced international energy company that operates and manages a complex portfolio of power plants and operations in over 40 countries. Independent of OEMs and with 100 years international experience, they manage risk, reduce costs, and improve plant operations. Uniper enables the integration of renewables through technical solutions for successful, flexible operation and digital asset management. Our presenter today is Craig Walker. He's the head of client implementation for Uniper. Craig combines digital technologies with engineering excellence to deliver complete solutions for energy assets across the world with analytics from Uniper. He has over 20 years operational experience in the energy industry and a long career history, including plant management, asset management, operational excellence manager for CCGT Fleet, and head of Uniper Portfolio Office. He is also responsible for the performance management system of a 34 gigawatt diverse portfolio for the Uniper board and directors. Craig frequently presents on the topics of digitization at conferences and champions operational excellence. Now, Craig will be taking your questions following the presentation today. So if you would like to submit a question, just look over to the side of your screen and you will see an area to submit your questions. Feel free to do so anytime during the presentation. There's also going to be a recording available of today's webinar. So if you miss anything, not to worry, just keep an eye on your email box. And we'd also like to invite you to take part in just a very brief survey following today's webinar. And now it is my pleasure to introduce our special presenter today, Craig Walker, Head of Client Implementation at Uniper. Thank you very much um, and a great introduction there. Um, so yeah, as the title suggests today, I'm gonna to be talking to you about um, how where we've delivered uh, risk-based solutions. Um, traditionally, we'd have done them face-to-face, -face, but um, as we know with the worldwide pandemic, we've uh, recently been delivering those remotely now. Um, the presentation will consist of a number of slides we'll be presenting, but we'll also we'll be asking some audience participation via audience questions and some polls, just to get a feeling and a feedback from, from what your experience is like in your organizations on there. Um, and, and as Peggy said, there's some uh, questions at the end um, I quite gladly take. And if there's nothing, uh, sorry, if we run out of time or there's something I can't answer, um, we'll get one of our uh, domain experts or, or myself to to reply to you. Um, today's agenda then really is, is split into four key areas. We're going to be talking about asset risk management uh, within Uniper as, as a principle and philosophy, then talk to you how we introduced it to 
uh, as a strategic process and where that fits in with the ISO 55000 standard. Um, approach from top down to bottom up uh, by bow tie surveys and how that fits in with the asset risk management and digitalization. Um, and then a quick summary at the end, and then we'll follow on with the Q&A. So before we start, um, I guess the pressure I'm putting onto the audience here really is the first question really, just to get a feel for what types of risks um, um, or accidents you've uh, experienced in your organization. Um, and again, what are the major accident risks for your organization? If you look over to the chat box, you could put those answers in. So um, let's give you just a few seconds there to uh, maybe give us an idea of what some of these major accident risks are for you. Um, some of the ones, we're going to see it, put it in the question section. Just look at the question section over there. Let's see here. Uh, some of the ones coming in right now, Craig. I okay. see return to service after an outage. Seems okay, to be yeah. one of the issues. Okay, uh, we've got another one. Management of change is coming in. Let's see here. Um, maybe some of the unknown um, issues such as uh, creep fatigue. Yep, okay. Um, and, and then also, let's see, I've got one more here. It says change in operational regime, for instance, flexible operation. So, yes, thank you all for so much for sharing those. Yeah, and I think there's a common theme there that's um, – it's all about changing in operations or doing something to the to the plant, I guess, um, that introduces a new risk because inherently, I, I guess, power stations are, are safe. But at the moment we introduce a change, whether that be an upgrade or we've done a, an outage and returning to service or the way we actually operate the plant, there's a change there. Um, and then some of these unknown issues. So that's good. Yeah, that's good to know. It's all familiar um, issues that we, we've seen within Uniper. So. Risk management then, or asset risk management, and Uniper's approach to that then. So it, what it did, it enabled us to develop a, a track, uh, I'm sorry, develop and track a structured risk strategy for, for our business, which meant it was developed for their own industry experts, um, um, that we had a comprehensive structured and user tested view on that. So we also had the plant view on that. Um, and it was scalable, really. So it's scalable to whether you've got one power station, 100 power stations, and irrespective of, of what their um, technology was, whether that be hydro, gas, coal, etc. And some of our key solutions uh, that we looked at, and I'll be going through some of these a bit more detail uh, in the next few slides, was uh, our risk management practices. We I've already mentioned about Bowtie Risk Tracker and Asset Risk Tracker. Um, some of the areas we won't go into today, but happy to have a separate discussion on is, is our approach to risk-based scoping, operational strategy reviews and root cause analysis. And our overall, we, we call it, as we love it, an acronym in, in Uniper is, is our Rome. So it's uh, our operational excellence approach to, to this. And actually this year, um, we submitted our uh, asset risk management process to the Energy Risk Awards, uh, where we won an award there. So why the technical risk management? Why go down that route? Well, one of the purposes is to secure, secure and protect your assets, uh, the people that operate their assets, and obviously the earnings from those assets within there. Demonstrate compliance. So we all need an oper a license to operate. And by to, one way of demonstrating that is, is compliance. And what do we mean by compliance? Well, we're talking about compliance with 
um, uh, international and national and local uh, regulations that a power station operates to. So, for example, it could be health and safety regulations, environmental compliance, etc. We also um, have to be socially responsible now. Uh, we're seeing this more and more across the globe, and we have to be seen as acting as a responsible operator, not just morally because it's the right thing to do or it's the company values, but you're now seeing uh, a lot of groups lobbying. You're seeing the actual shareholders and key investors wanting to see uh, this industry acting as a responsible operator and lastly we need to be able to document how we're managing our risks within there with our technical management practices what are the key benefits well it helps us prioritize and justify expenditure uh, and activities in the portfolio so you can you've got a clear view of how you've prioritized that and, and um, justifying where that expense is coming from to the shareholders um, as an owner and operator, uh, the actual owner and staff have a better understanding of their key risks at their site. And one of the key benefits on there is that we've seen within the Uniper is reduced insurance uh, insurance costs within there. It also helps the insurers um, where they're pulling together the underwriters and understanding the risks by having that clarity, uh, they can really understand um, what risks uh, they're insuring against. So next we've got a poll question. Um, so thinking within your own organization, how confident are you and, and your organization's competence to manage operational hazards? Okay, and this gives everybody an opportunity um, to lock in their answers. How confident are you on your organization's competence to manage those operational hazards? Very confident, moderately confident, not confident at all. Very, very important question, Craig. And so, folks, this is an opportunity for you to share with us um, your concerns so Craig can address them. So be sure to lock your answers in there. Just click on the screen. Uh, just a couple more seconds here. And let's just see what folks are saying. How confident are they? Well, Craig, it looks like the majority, 56%, say mm -hmm. they are very confident with 44% saying they are moderately confident. Thanks so much for participating. Yes, thanks everybody. Um, and yeah, that, that's a, probably a reflective balance of what we thought we were, we were within Uniper. Um, however, we, we thought we had a, a handle on process safety and where that was going. Um, but suddenly, if we, we look at our experiences in less than a 12-month period, really, within Uniper across when we had a more international fleet, we had some um, catastrophic failures uh, with, within Uniper. Uh, we had a valve failure uh, at Hydro that had a financial impact of 2.8 million euros. And in fact, it took two years to, re to pull back the uh, return to service. Ironbridge 2014, after uh, biomass conversion, the red LP blade failure, which actually then took down a, a number of blades later on, which caused the, the hydrogen seals to leak, which then caught fire, um, which then was made worse by all the um, bearing uh, oil nozzles detached because of the massive vibration, which then fed the fire. And actually, um, the, the unit was actually written off and never actually returned back to service. Other um, issues were, again, we had issues at Ratcliffe Unit 4, an impact there of 25 million mass for brand new plant at the time where we had steam turbine damage um 
Staudinger tube to creep fatigue uh, at one of the flanges of the circulation pump failure, again, 64 million. Um, and then raw water tank within there, we had a full collapse of the water tank on there. Um, unfortunately, I think in all of these, nobody was injured. Um, uh, but you can see the financial impact on there and the time and effort and energy it's taken to return back to most of these units. If not, we've written them off. So there's some of the reasons why. Uh, and just to be a word of caution, um, if you think you are in control and confident, just, just as a caution, just, just be aware on there. So what is Uniper's asset risk management system? Well, it's based all around the ISO 31000 principles risk management so initially it's about establishing the context and what do we mean by that um so it's about really understanding the premises you're applying this to um what's the actual risk um policy that you're implementing on there what's your risk appetite on that and um, and where do you define that those risk scorings on there to to drive action within there You've then got to identify the risks, so actually going to identify the risks. And how are you going to approach that? Are you going to do a top down, bottom up, or actually you're going to do both? Um, then it's about analyzing those risks uh, and your approach to how you put a risk rating on there. And I'll talk to you about how Uniper does that later. And then really, how are you going to uh, evaluate those risks and compare um, across the organization to ensure you've got a fair risk rating um, within there? And obviously, treat risk. How are you going to? Um, prioritize that investment to treat the highest risk first and then you've got your old return to the uh, either side so communicating consulting with the plants and monitoring and reviewing those risks and, and the impact of the solutions you've you've implemented but that isn't just that's just one system on its own if you think about the integrated management system at uniper the iso 55000 where does that fit in with within that management system because it's just a part of that well, if you think about at the very top, it starts with leadership and having those policies, uh, management commitment and leadership to drive it forward. How are your structures, um, authority, lines of authority and responsibility set up? What's the strategic plans and objectives of the business and where you're trying to drive the business? And then how are you going to manage those risks and opportunities, which is where risk management comes in? What's going to enable that within there? The information, documentation, governance, and then how are you going to manage that? Then performance management and uh, an evaluation of that, and how are you actually going to be compliant within that governance as well? And what's your audit protocols and then um, compliance going to look like? What are your compliance targets within that? And then your continuous improvement loop within that. So how are you going to take uh, instant learnings, um, improvements within uh, the risk solutions and share that across the business. And then also you've got to think about your support teams within that. So you, you use all ones that are behind the scenes. So it's procurement, HR, uh, finance, accounting, etc. on there. And as we said, supporting that, um, that clear line of sight that we spoke about before leadership is that the policies at the top. So your global policies and business directives. Um, then individually, how are you trans, uh, transferring them into local instructions or so generation management instructions uh, across the various different technologies within there? And then ultimately, at each site, at each different technologies, how are you transferring that local management instructions in there? So you've got this clear line of sight of so the people at the site. Their local management instructions actually lead right the way up to Unipop policies. 
So we've next got a uh, uh, a poll question again. It's about your own practices and are are in your view are the practices consistent with the policy and procedures within your own organization? Okay, so folks, here's your chance once again to participate in the webinar. Are your practices consistent with policy and procedures? Your choices are very consistent, moderately consistent, or not consistent at all. So everybody, if you'll just click that on your screen, we're going to give you about 10 seconds there and uh, see if we can get everybody's answers there. Um, another good question, Craig, because I'm sure that um, this is very important, especially for these companies and their bottom line. So everybody get your answers in and let's see what the poll results are. So it looks like a tie, as a matter of fact. Very interesting. Um, 48% say very consistent, and 48% say moderately consistent. And for the 4% that said not consistent at all, um, Craig, they might need some Uniper help there. So we're going to hand it back over to you. No, thank you. Yeah, one of um, one of the things we did was um, to test our views on whether we thought we were consistent locally with, with the policy and had that clear line of sight was a, a peer review approach. Um, and the peers would come and review and help with the uh, audits um, and, and test against that. Um, and so I have the outside eye looking in who was also um, had an understanding of your business as well because they were from that area as well. And it does give you, it either confirms your, your belief or actually it highlights where there may be some gaps and then it's all about making problems visible. So next we're gonna talk about technical risk management and how that feeds into Uniper's enterprise risk management. As I said before, um, technical risk management, we do like an acronym and I mentioned Rome before. So it's our risk-based uh, operation and maintenance excellence of which um, our uh, risk management system fits within there. And we mentioned some of these uh, before at the beginning of the presentation. But what that does by taking this view of a technical risks uh, management is you have a, a single technical risk view, so the plant view, but also as an organization, um, you have a portfolio risk view as well. What's the key differences? Well, a single site, uh, the plant manager and their team will only be looking at their own risks and, and prioritizing their risks based on the scores, where from an asset management viewpoint, you want a view on the whole risks across the whole of the business. And you can actually prioritize the investment based on the portfolio risk, not who's a plant manager who may have a, a bigger influence, bigger say so, bigger muscles um, to have an influence on there. So it gives that balance for you. And I'll talk uh, about how we achieve that later on. So another audience question. Um, in your own organizations, how do you cut costs still while maintaining performance? And how do you tread that? That, that fine line and maybe you've got instances where you've could cost too much at, at the detriment of performance okay so folks this is one of those questions now you can put your answers over in the question section over to the side there and let's find out how do you cut cost or how does your company cut cost and still be able to maintain that performance uh, let's see if we can get some of the answers coming in from our audience here. Just put it over there in the questions section. Um, one of the ones I'm seeing, Craig, right now is reduce outage scope. 
Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Another one is going to be the fact that they have challenging the OEMs. Okay, yeah. Uh, let's uh, see here. Okay, yep. let's look. Let me see if I've got some more here. Uh, performance management system mm-hmm. was another one that's popping through. And then let's see here. I've got risk-based scoping for outages. Okay, also, drive consistency, mm-hmm. um, changes to the maintenance program, yep, and risk analysis. And I got one more coming back here. It's plant improvement concept challenge. Thank you all so much for participating. Back to you, right. Craig. Thank you. That was a lot of feedback there. Yeah, some, some great, great um, suggestions there. Um, um, which we'll, we'll we'll cover some of those uh, coming up shortly. So thank you for uh, participating. So next, we're going to talk to you about um, you know how this fits in with a successful operation and getting value from your portfolio, or if you've just got one plant you're responsible for. Um, it's it's the same same approach really. Um, so if you think managing a plant, you want to do it safely, um, you, with minimal impact on on the environment. As we mentioned before, you want to be compliant within the local and international regulations. And ultimately, you're a business, you want to be making money. If you achieve all three of those and you maintain your license to operate. And generally, from my experience, um, and you may use different terminology, and it does depend on which uh, markets you operate in. Um, but we use the acronym CARFEC, which is about maximi- maximizing your capacity, make it being available when you uh, when the market requires being reliable and starting when you need to start, uh, being flexible to market conditions, uh, being as efficient as possible with the, the, the reduced costs. So where does that fit in with the risk management? Well, maintenance optimization and car effect, that's particularly to do with making sure the plant's reliable uh, and available maintenance optimization. Performance is generally maximizing that capacity, being flexible and efficiency with risk. It generally covers the top three of all those um, within that. So it's it's there to maintain safety. It's there to make sure you're compliant. It's there to make sure your, your insurance costs are low and you have insurance and maintain that license to operate. And by having a view on the risk management combined with maintenance and performance, you'll reduce your cost effectively and increase your earnings. So introduction to the strategic process then the second part so um, asset engineering risk and opportunity process this is the name of our process uh, our risk management process aero and you'll notice here we brought into the new word opportunity so we not only discuss risk but we also bring into the process any opportunities for business investments where we can have a quick business payback and improve our in performance today i'm going to particularly concentrating on risk so our, our aero process is basically our asset management process, um, which is the idea is to be systematic. So it's, uh, it's consistent. It's fair valuation of the plant um, risks uh, and any improvement opportunities. It's intended to manage engineering risks um, as, as a core product, but in, obviously incorporated within those risks are always safety, environment, um, costs, uh, reputation, uh, et cetera, on there. 
one of the ways, and I'll go into more detail for those who are not used to the concept, is the process safety bow tie. So as well as having a bottom-up approach where the sites uh, obviously have local risks that have been identified, uh, whether that's a, a leaking flange or uh, you've been given a safety bulletin on a turbine, um, there's also a top-down approach where you will look at uh, hazard-based events and the barriers you have in place to stop those hazard events and reduce the consequences if they did have one. And it's basically a visual representation of that, that assessment uh, where you have the barriers on the left, the hazard in the middle, and the barriers on the right for the consequence. And it's basically nothing more technical than this. The diagram looks like a bow tie. The advantage is this, this, this approach of aero and, and the, the bow tie top-down approach is it gives that detailed plant-based bow ties covering realistic hazards rather than just a, a high-level uh, desktop approach. It's structured, uh, it's comprehensive, it's applied across the, fl uh, across the fleet and all types of te uh, technology. Um, it's there to be consistent, so we use the same approach as we mentioned before. It's transparent, so the people participating aren't the managers. And I'm sorry for those of us uh, that think we're important in this. We are slightly, but the more important people are the people doing the activities at the site uh, because they know what's really going on there, and they'll give you the view of uh, what's really going on, not what we think is going on there. And it should be dynamic as well. Now, that whole process follows the, the whole Demings Plan Do Check Act type uh, of, of process. So the, initially, you will do the bow tie survey. Once you've done the survey, you'll pull out some of the key findings from that survey and do a risk assessment on there. And when you've highlighted the high, sorry, highlighted highlighted the, the key risks from that risk assessment, you will then put that into an, an asset risk tracker. Um, and then periodically review those risks and the, the uh, success of implementation of any solutions within that. So the next few slides, I'm going to talk to you really about um, uh, how to build up a bow tie quite quickly uh, and the autonomy of there. I'm going to be using the analogy uh, of a car because that works quite nicely. Uh, and if anybody's got any questions of how uh, examples we've done, uh, in the plants at the end of the q and I'm happy to give some examples at the end, or in fact, uh, outside of this, I can send some examples in there. So a bow tie, what I mentioned before is we have a hazard. So there's a hazard on your plant, there's a hazard, um, for example, driving your car. So that's anything that has potential to cause harm. And the top event is losing control over the car. So the top event could be a generator explosion or transformer loss of oil, for example. So on the left-hand side, we have the threats. So these are the threats that actually could cause a top event. And then to stop these events, we put barriers in place. So, for example, with the car, we have a barrier that uh, we have ABS in place to stop, stop the car, car skidding. The driver's been given uh, some defensive driving techniques. We have good tires, etc. So there's a number of things we put in place to stop the car uh, losing control or the driver losing control of the car. On the other side of it, actually, you can do all of these things, but for unknown reasons, you can still have a top event. So we can still have a generator fire. We could still have a uh, loss of oil from a transformer. And actually, you know what? We, the car could lose control still. I think one of the consequences is that the driver could get hurt. So what do we put in place to stop that driver getting hurt? So 
the car has airbags it has skid control um it has a seat belt uh, it has impact zones within there and uh, various different uh, te um, technologies now have moved on from there. So we measure what these recover, uh, recovery barriers are to see if we can reduce the impact should we have a top event. Then we link everything together. And then when we've got an assessment of this overall bow tie survey, so we ask questions on the left to say, have you got barriers, have you got these uh, standard barriers in place? Um, and what the they what's the effectiveness of them? Uh, and then if the event did happen, have you got these barriers in place, recovery measures to stop the uh, to minimize these consequences on there? And ultimately we'll have a gap analysis and understand fully what could go wrong, and secondly, what systems are in place to prevent these things going wrong. So when you've done the survey, what will happen is any barriers that are missing or we think are ineffective, we pull into initial screening risk assessment. So some barriers will be more important than others. So what we then do is look at the effectiveness of those missing or uh, slightly ineffective barriers and do an initial risk assessment on that. Um, we use a seven by seven word model within that. And then that's based on um, the likelihood of that to happen and what severity would be. And from that, if it meets a certain risk criteria, we then would put this into our asset risk tracker for a more in-depth um, solution and risk scoring. So output from the bow tie and the screening is then prioritized in our asset risk tracker. What that does then, it allows us to identify all our risks, uh, understand where the gaps are within there, and, and look at the possible solutions within there and what the how they would reduce the impacts on some of these interfaces. We also look at our opportunities that I mentioned, but we're, we're concentrating on risk here. Um, and some of those opportunities can print improvement plans, uh, opportunities in new markets or new technologies. Once we give a, uh, we're looking at uh, inputting the data within there, we've initially put a summary in there. We talk about what the overall issue is, any short term mitigations that we put in there, because you may want to do something initially to, to uh, short term mitigation while you, look, while you look for a long term solution. And we categorize them into five key areas, safety, environment, regulatory, cost and reputational. Um, and they fit into uh, either one category or actually you can have an issue where they overlap uh, a number of categories on there. So, for example, um, you may have a risk that um, you have ineffective bun systems around your transformer. That could be a cost, obviously, but it could also be uh, an environmental uh, impact on there as well. So the, each risk can be categorized in one or a number of, of different areas, depending on what the issue is within there. The, once you've uh, identified where those categories fit uh, and where they've scored, then you actually give them a scoring and rank them accordingly within that. One thing to, to think about as well is really how you're going to uh, score those and to think about the actual real likelihood of, of uh, that impacting someone because we can tend to catastrophize and think instantly someone's going to die all the time and actually it's very rare we kill people in this industry 
Um, although it, often when it does happen, it's quite, it's quite a massive impact on there. Of course it is. Um, so we have to have a real a realistic risk scoring on there. Uh, and certainly within Uniper, there was a, a, a lot of discussion about where these thresholds sit and where the company fits um, and what its values were. And eventually we came up with a, a risk scoring uh, of where we are now. We use a logarithmic risk score in our asset risk tracker, seven by seven. Um, where we look at severity and impact on there. And here you can see particularly um, where our scoring sits within there. So if it's a low risk, actually, yes, we'll, keep, we'll monitor it to make sure it doesn't get any worse, but actually it's quite a low risk. Medium, we need to have some kind of solution and, and longer term investment. If it's a high risk, well, actually, should we keep our assets running or is there something we need to do immediately within that to, to, uh, to stop the, uh, the uh, catastrophic failure? Uh, um, within the uh, the asset. Then the fourth part is reviewing that. So we, we've looked at, uh, we've put those listing here, our top risks in there. We've got the risk scores within there and we can see overall what that risk rating looks like over a period of time. And every quarter we do a peer review approach uh, across the sites. Um, to make, and we also have a central uh, management team to, to uh, uh, go to the sites and do those peer reviews with them to make sure all those risks are regularly, risk scorings are regularly reviewed. And also we've now digitized that process within our analytics team. So we set we set up uh, on the analytics platform, get the system running, make sure people have the access uh, and it helps them with, with the decision risk support on um, their risk management. So in summary, why why risk management and why did, why our approach to, to the way we did it? Well, it reduces risk to people, plants and the environment. It reduces that uncertainty and uh, increases awareness and makes people, um, makes problems visible. It guides decision making and aligns to company values and that risk appetite of where the company's comfortable. It's uh, fairly, uh, compared sorry um, we compared to similar markets so we can do risks across uh, various different um, technologies um, it's adaptable to market changes so we can take into account of the fuel volat volatility any legislation changes and adjust the risks accordingly um, it's used the it's using the current and best available informa information within there and it's always there to drive that continuous improvement and share the learnings within that so that's the summary on here. Um, that's uh, my presentation on delivering risks-based solutions, where, how we did it remotely. Um, I'll hand over to you now, Peggy, where we can take the Q&A. All right, thank you very much. And Craig, that was some really important information and very interesting presentation. Thanks so much for sharing. Also, folks, um, be sure to take a moment and make note of uh, Craig's contact information. It's right there on your screen should you have some further questions or you want to reach out. Um, so anyway, we do have a few questions coming in, Craig. Okay. Uh, let's start with the first one. It says, why didn't you include cost weighting in the safety category of the asset risk tracker? Yes, that's a very good question. Uh, and again, it all depends on the values of your organization. Certainly within Uniper, safety is our, our number one priority uh, above everything else. Um, and we had a lot of philosophical debates when we were deciding on our risk rating and our approach to that. 
Um, and our main concern um, within the organization is if we suddenly put a cost weighting on that, um, a safety risk could actually get uh, devalued into a, another cost risk, which had a higher rate of return, and that would go against our value of safety first. Um, so that's why we consciously didn't put any cost weighting against that. So we didn't muddy the waters with our safety risks. And we always ensure um, investment prioritization concentrated on the on the top safety issues first. Um, okay, so we have one more question coming in. It says, how long does it take in order to conduct bow tie surveys? Oh, that's that's a good question. And, and it, it depends on the size of your organization. If, if we stick with, um, for example, a CCGT site, uh, one unit site, uh, and typically we've got, I think from memory, 24 different bow ties that look at, uh, for example, steam turbine, they look at boiler, they look at generator, look at balance of plants, they look at electrical systems, etc. Um, and each of the bow tie surveys would take roughly three three hours, depending on the size of them. Then we do the screening. So probably probably takes a good two to three weeks, maybe a month to do a full bow tie service per asset. Coal assets tend to take a bit longer. And if you're doing this remotely, depending on the time zones, then it can um also uh take maybe a couple of months if you're doing that remotely in a different time zone okay craig it looks like we have another question coming in now it says how do you stop artificial risk scoring uh to get funding yes that's uh, back to a comment i mentioned before really about having a uh a plant manager that's uh, particularly influential uh, some of the old school plant managers uh, um, can be quite uh, intimidating and then demanding um, or have the networks within there. So if that's removed by having this system, then how do we stop them out artificially or their people artificially uh, uh, ranking the risk higher than we think they are uh, so they can get the funding? So in, within Uniper, we have an uh, asset management team, as I mentioned, and within the asset management team, we have a process safety team. And that each team uh, acts as a business partner for all, all of our um, power plants. So every quarter they will go to each site and visit them and ensure we've got uh, that calibrated view across all the sites to ensure um, they are not artificially, uh, or even if even if it's not artificial, they can actually think the risk is worse than it actually is. Or in fact, it could be the other way. Uh, the risk isn't as high as they thought and actually it is higher. Um, so that's one approach. The other approach is we used to have a risk and opportunities board as well, where it was that peer-to-peer -peer challenge. So every month we'd have a review of projects that were coming up and how they were scored, and we'd challenge each other scoring on that. It was done in a, a healthy way, so it wasn't there to have a, what I would call in the UK a bun fight. Uh, it was there to have a healthy challenge and, and share share the learnings as well. Okay, let's see. I have another question. How do you choose the right incidents um, to analyze in a bow tie? So, yes, um, that started at the beginning where uh, when they were developing the bow ties, um, where our, our asset management team would sit down and say, okay, we've got um, a generator here. What's the possible things that could go wrong with it? Um, and they systematically then sat down with the plants and got their input um, with on there. 
and also we had domain experts from our engineering uh, team um, in Germany and the UK who would also give their uh, input um, up into technically what could go wrong on there. And that was a starting point then for really uh, building our, our bow ties for, for the hazardous events. Um, so, for example, a steam turbine, I think, has seven hazardous events. So it could be loss of blue boil. It could be bearing failure. It could be loss of blade. It could be uh, casing cracking, etc. So they sat around with all our experts internally. Um, and they also were also regularly um, participants in various different um, organizations where we share learning and we get the inputs and developed our, our bow tie standards from there. Okay, Craig, one of our participants wants to know how often do you review your bow ties? That's a very good question and um, um, something we've just started doing, um, uh, what are we, three, year, three to four years after we initially did that, maybe longer uh, after we've done those initial bow ties. So we've got that snapshot. Um, and we're now saying, well, actually, that snapshot's okay, but actually, how do we know it's still valid within there? So what we're uh, doing, actually, we're doing uh, immediately, and I'm involved with a proof of concept for a live bow tie um, process. And the idea of that is uh, when we did the bow tie assessment, um, we also had barriers in there, um, such as uh, maintenance, there was trip controls, et cetera, on there. Actually, we're feeding our central maintenance system in our CMMS. We use SAP and um, we are feeding back into a, a low uh, bow tie dashboard where it um, will show you if certain barriers aren't being maintained, it will give a, an effectiveness score on that bow tie. So it could be red, amber, green, it could be 0 to 100%, but we're, we're not sure yet. Um, so if, for example, one of the barriers is to, uh, to do an outage or change a lube oil system or filters, for example, and that isn't done on SAP and the actual routine's late, actually that, that barrier's then become ineffective short term and actually the bow tie live scoring will drop accordingly. So it'll give that live view of where you are of your bow ties. Um, let's see here. Which rule plays advanced diagnostic of assets? Can you repeat that question again? I'm not sure I understand the context. Um, okay, let me see here. It says, which rule plays advanced diagnostic of assets? Oh, I'm not sure I understand the context, to be honest. Um, role, I'm sorry, they, it was a miss, uh, role. What role plays advanced diagnostic of assets? Um, it it depends really. Um, if I, if I if I'm answering the question correctly for for the audience participant, um, mm -hmm. um, and if I'm not, please tell me uh, later, and, I'll, and we can have a conversation <laughs> okay. later, just in case. I know we're running out of time. Um, so it does depend. So if you're talking particularly about the risk assessments, then we have a number of uh, engineering experts that will do the diagnostics on that. Um, we also have experts at the site within there. Uh, um, and we also have a, our engineered domain experts within there. And um, we're also members of, as I said, um, various different organizations where if we're suddenly looking for information or diagnostics within there um, that we can't identify, 
then we will we will lean on them. We've also got other tools, uh, actors diagnostics and barriers in there. So we've got advanced condition monitoring tools that act as a, as a diagnostic. We've got performance trackers within there. Um, and also we have our maintenance strategy uh, live dashboards on there that look at our, our maintenance uh, strategy effectiveness. Okay, um, how do you evaluate probabilities? And there's a second part to this question actually. Mm -hmm. And do you use the plant's own history data, for instance, maybe their maintenance data? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we, we look at key incidents that's happened across the world. We, we're using our own knowledge and, and feedback. We, we use our own knowledge of what's happened in our fleet and also uh, we're part of those user groups that can feed in for the various different technologies and also we use the history of the site. Has this happened before? And that probability is all based on on that scoring. So could this has this happened somewhere in the world um, uh, in the last five years? Has it happened this year? Has it happened several times this year? So we make a, an informed judgment on, on that knowledge. Okay, Craig. Great questions, everybody. Thank you so much for submitting those questions. Now, if for some reason we did not get to your question, don't worry because an expert from Uniper will be in touch with you and they will have an answer and some more information. Once again, please take a chance, uh, take a moment here to make note of Craig's information there. It's right there on the screen should you have any questions or would like to converse with him. Um, also, as we wrap up today's seminar, we'd like to invite you to take part in just a brief survey following the close. And also, there's going to be a very short video. It's only about a minute, and it's going to talk to you about Uniper's digital solutions. So be sure to take time to watch that as well. Also, keep an eye on your email because there will be additional follow-up information from Uniper. Uh, once again, a very special thanks to Craig Walker, the head of client implementation at Uniper. And for more details on Uniper, visit their website. It's uniper.energy forward slash services. Um, I hope everyone has a good day or good evening, depending on where you are viewing us from right now. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, everybody. Play the video. What would it be like if you had a tool that could unlock the full potential of your plant? What if you had one platform that could analyze, plan, and monitor your entire plant's performance and operate assets across multiple markets that could identify and mitigate risk and offer strategic decision-making tools? What if you could monitor your power plant from wherever you are what if you could see all relevant information at one glance? What if the future of power plant management is already here?